This episode of Juice Crew Radio is brought to you by Try Best, making healthy living easy. Welcome. Welcome to Juice Guru Radio. Discover what the magic and power of juicing can do for you. And now, your host, best-selling author of The Complete Idiot's Guide to Juice Fasting, Steve Prusak. And hello, welcome to another edition of Juice Guru Radio. I'm your host, Steve, and today we've got Ellen Goldsmith, author of Nutritional Healing with Chinese Medicine and co-founder of Pearl Natural Health, a naturopathic acupuncture and Chinese medicine clinic over in Portland, Oregon. She's going to tell us all about nutritional healing with Chinese medicine, everything we need to know, and how to get our diets in gear for this new year, coming up right after this with our special guest, Ellen Goldsmith. Did you know you can make a great living in the hottest new business trend today? The Juice Guru Certification Program is the world's first online course to give you the knowledge and marketing skills to excel as a juicing coach and start making money in no time. Find out more at JuiceCoachTraining.com. Juice Guru Radio. Hello and welcome back to the show. Get yourself a juice, some water, some tea. We've got Ellen Goldsmith right here. Again, author of Nutritional Healing with Chinese Medicine. Available at bookstores worldwide, Amazon, all the uh, usual culprits. Let's welcome to the show right now, Ellen Goldsmith. Thank you so much, Steve. It's great to be here. Oh, hi, Ellen. You know, I didn't really go into all the incredible work you're doing and your background, but you've really, uh, you've been studying nutritional healing and Chinese medicine for a long time now, right? I have. I've been studying it, but mostly I've been studying it on myself. You know, and my family and um, all the people that come to see me for acupuncture and Chinese medicine, all my students, it's been one big laboratory for decades. Well, let's talk about your story. How did you get involved and interested in this and, and, you know, first using it for your own healing? Well, I think, you know, for many of us, it starts with ourselves, right? Something's not quite right. And we're hoping that we can make a change and it will get better. So, I was what you call a really lousy vegetarian, and I don't know if there are any out there listening to your show, but uh, this is how I considered myself a lousy vegetarian. I didn't really eat meals. I had a lot of snacks, a lot of fruit, nuts, cheese, and I didn't eat a lot of vegetables. I didn't sit down. I didn't cook. I was just kind of on the run. I was a dancer in New York City, and after a while in my 20s, I just was not feeling that great. And my energy was really not where it needed to be. And I kept, you know, searching around, trying to find something to do. And I got turned on to this fantastic woman, Shizuko Yamamoto, who was a, a semi-blind shiatsu practitioner who taught macrobiotics. And she told me, look, you've got to get rid of all the cheese and the fruit and the nuts. And you need the vegetables and you need sea vegetables and you need whole grains and you need to cook and you need to sit down and eat. And I said, okay, um, all right. And so can I study with you? And she said, no, you have to go study over here. So I went and started studying macrobiotics, which back then in the mid-80s was um, a great big community of people around uh, food. And I learned about the energy of food. And I learned that, you know, by cooking food and cutting food and being with food, it actually had a different kind of impact on me than running around, you know, between dance classes and munching on stuff. So I started changing the way I eat and I had a big community because it's always hard to change what you do in your health habits by yourself. So I had a community of friends and community in New York City and started changing how I ate and I felt so much better. But then after a couple of years, I reached this plateau and I was just, you know, I wasn't feeling so great again. I'm like, wait a minute, I'm eating the right food. What's going on here? But what happened was I was different. You know, after eating a certain way for a couple of years, you change. 
and um, your body changes, your chemistry changes, your needs change. And I wasn't really understanding how to adapt that. And so some counselor said to me, well, you need to have a little more animal food. I'm like, ah, I can't eat animal food, <laughs> you know. But I started thinking about it, and I started saying, well, I'm eating a lot of grain here, and I'm craving a lot of sweets, and maybe I need to shift it up. So I did, and I started to include a little bit of egg into my diet, a little bit of fish, and, um, and that made a big difference. But then as I was, you know, all along this time, I was practicing shiatsu, and I started then to study Chinese medicine and started to really learn about the deeper root of, of the energy of food. And um, so I just kept adapting and changing and working with it and seeing that my health would improve. And I, I actually didn't have to be so rigid. You know, I could say, I... I really need some fish now or a little bit of meat. Um, I still eat mostly a plant-based diet. I'm at my heart a vegetarian, really. But I do eat some animal food because there are times when I really, really need it. And, um, and I think the beauty of uh, healing with nutritional healing with Chinese medicine is that you don't need a rigid diet. Once you start to understand the principles and the energy of food, does it warm you? Does it cool you? What do flavors do? How does cooking in different ways um, impact the, the impact? How does it impact you um, is, is an, an enormously valuable. So it allows me to adapt and change and, and not be so rigid and stay pretty healthy. So diving into some of these principles, is this something that could benefit us no matter what diet we're following? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think um, Chinese medicine and Chinese nutritional healing is really a fantastic overlay to Western nutrition because, because you're learning about more subtle energies around flavor and is a food warming or cooling? What is the impact of, of different kinds of herbs and, and cooking styles? You really start to attune yourself more. You, in, you increase your own power of observation, so to speak. You're not so you're not so dependent upon a rigid diet that's outside of you. And um, yeah, so I think that makes a huge, huge difference. And it's, it doesn't supersede, you know, you don't have to do one or the other. I mean, we are Westerners, but we all live in nature. We all live in different seasons. We all grow and develop in different ways. So, you know, we have, we can adapt and we can, we can put the two together. And I think that's, why I always say, you know, the East can meet the West in the kitchen. And actually, it's also applicable across all cultures, because if you go way, way, way back into traditional cultures, you'll see that most every traditional culture has a tradition around food and as medicine. And even if you look at the, the, the trajectory of the Silk Road from China, moving West, you know, through the Caucasus into Iran, even up into Southern Spain, you can see remnants of Chinese medicine adapted through other cultures. So that's what's also beautiful about it. It's not just the Chinese. It's that they're the wisdom they had, and they developed, they codified it, they wrote it down, and it's still there and accessible to people. Well, what are some of the benefits? And we're going to hear about some of the principles. What are some of the benefits of learning what you're about to share with us and what we can learn once we pick up a copy of your new book, Nutritional Healing with Chinese Medicine? What are some of the benefits we can expect? Well, I think that if you really start with yourself 
and start to tune into your own energy, your own body temperature. Do you run cold? Do you run hot? What is the trajectory of your energy dur during the day? Do you get tired after eating? Um, what stage of life are you in? Are you in puberty? Are you uh, going to have a baby? Are you perimenopausal? Are you a peak athlete, etc.? You start to see that you can adapt your diet to meet your own needs. So the benefits are it's very adaptable. There's no one size fits. It's not a, a one size fits all, you know? So I think the benefit is, is that you really can tune into your own, your own needs. And I think what I really attempted to do in the book, especially in my condiment section was, you know, a lot of moms say to me, well, do I have to cook like four different meals from everybody in my family? Cause everybody has different needs. And I say, no, you can cook one meal and you can create a lot of little dishes on the table and then you can have these beautiful condiments so people can adapt them to meet their own needs and their own taste preferences. So how does Chinese dietary uh, therapy differ from Western diet recommendations? Well, there's an overlap. Um, let me talk about that first and then I can differentiate. I mean, the overlap is they both deal with, you know, a healthy diet is whole, unrefined foods. A healthy diet is nourishing. A healthy diet will be used in different conditions. You can adapt it to different conditions. Uh, like, you know, there's a, in Western nutrition, there's a diet for high cholesterol and diabetes and obesity, etc. But where it differs is where Western nutrition is, is about micro and macronutrients and it's based on research Chinese medicine is based on the food as a whole thing. And it's based on, does your, the food warm or cool you? It's based on the therapeutic action of flavors. It's based on balancing what we call yin and yang in the body. And, um, and another element is, is that it um, is adaptable through seasons. So we really look at eating across the seasons. Um, and those are, and it's not evidence-based, meaning that it changes from year to year. You know, one, we see a lot of, you know, food trends, right? Why are there trends in food? Foods have always been beneficial for human beings. I mean, I think as cultures meld and we are, we have uh, accessibility to, we have access to new foods like turmeric. You know, in the West, turmeric hasn't been a big thing, but now it's becoming a trend, you know, because it's an incredibly beneficial herb. Um, in terms of inflammation, pain, um, and antioxidants, etc. So I think there's an overlap, but, you know, there's an enduring element, I think, to a Chinese nutrition that goes mostly through seasons and works with those things, like I said, flavor and thermal nature, etc. And so that has a direct influence on our health by eating seasonably? Yes, absolutely. I mean, I think we're, we in the West, of course, we, if we live in places like Redondo Beach or Portland or many cities throughout the U.S., you know, we have access to farmer's markets. And so we get to see what foods are growing seasonally and we get to eat those foods. And the fresh foods have more nutrients. Why? Because they were just picked, you know, and they were just harvested. And we say in Chinese medicine that when we eat food, we're eating something called chi. I mean, we're nourishing ourselves. So we don't want something that's coming from three to 4,000 miles away where it's kind of sleepy and it's kind of lost its verve. We want foods that have a lot of vitality in them. Um, 
Okay, so now I got off on my track here. So seasonally. But the thing about eating seasonally in Chinese medicine is that you're not only eating those local foods, but you're eating, you're adapting and eating certain kinds of flavors and thermal natures, and you're cooking in a certain way to help you participate in the season fully. I mean, it's crazy in winter to be having like cold smoothies and raw salads all the time. It's cold out here, you know? And even in California, it's probably a little cooler than usual, right? So you want, you want to have foods that are more warming and that help you kind of store a little bit. But when springtime comes, you want to be able to break out of that so you can participate and, and feel freer and you can have more access to the outdoors. But spring, the weather's changeable. You know, one minute you go out, it's hot. Sometimes you go out in the morning, it's cold. Then you go out and it's hot. And you, Do you wear your jacket or not? Well, in Chinese medicine, it, spring is a time of, of a lot of changeability and wind. So if your jacket is off, like my grandma used to say, you're going to catch the cold, you know? And so you have to eat in a way that you protect your inner warmth, but that you also break open all of that storage in the body so you can participate. So in spring, you'll have the pungent flavor, things like in chives, arugula, fresh herbs, uh, turnip greens, um, beet tops, things like that, uh, that that are fresh and have a pungent flavor that help disperse some of that heat that you've been building up in the winter. And also the sweet flavors of new baby beets and sweet carrots and even baby turnips, Japanese turnips, they're quite sweet to help you kind of relax, you know, and just ease yourself into a new season. So the seasons aren't just static because the beginning of spring is never the same at the, as the end of spring. There's a movement, you know, through that season and you have to adjust your food through that season. And, and so I think once you start to learn that, you actually have the opportunity to participate more fully. I mean, it's a drag in spring to feel like you just can't go outdoors. You know what I'm saying? And what about the importance of mindful eating? Uh, you know, everyone's eating on the run. You kind of touched on it before, but mm-hmm. what about the importance of tuning into our eating, preparing our food, and the energy we put into our food? How does that play into um, Chinese medicine? Well, I think, you know, everything in, in Chinese medicine is imbued with a certain amount of qi. And qi in the West, we think of as energy, but really it's the potential behind that makes energy go. So, I mean, there's nothing worse than having a meal cooked by somebody who's really pissed off and angry. You know what I'm saying? Mm. You know, they always say, oh, you want to put the love in the food, but you do. And I think that, um, I mean, now look, some of you out there may not be cooks. And that's okay because cooking is a skill that you can learn, you know, and that's, that's really the great news. But cooking is also an opportunity to kind of slow down and tune out the rest of the day and focus on what you're doing. So there's something about connecting and engaging with the food that you're preparing that has an enormous benefit, not only to you, but to others. Think about it. You've been running around all day, you know, you're on your phone, you're on your computer computer, you're working, and then all of a sudden, you just are focusing on chopping, because if you don't focus on chopping, you know, you might cut your finger, right? So you, you focus on that, your chi goes into the food, you pay attention to it cooking, and then, you know, it comes out, and you enjoy it. I tell my students when I'm, when they're, when I'm teaching um, uh, Chinese dietetics, and they're cooking, and they're kind of like poking at the food, you know, 
poking it in the pan. I'm saying, just let it be, you know, let it cook. Or if you're going to put your energy in the food, put your chi in the food, go for it. Stir it, turn up the heat, mash it, you know, really be intentional about what you want that food to do because cooking styles like sauteing will activate you. Slow cooking, just letting it simmer will help calm you. Roasting it or baking it for a period of time will imbue heat into it. You know, so all of the ways that we engage with our preparation of food really has an impact on how we feel. And what is a balanced diet from the Chinese medicine perspective? You know, I think the easiest way for someone to think about it who doesn't know Chinese medicine or does, you know, gets confused by it all is that on your plate, you want to have five colors. You want to have something green. You want to have something red or orange. You want to have something beige or yellow. You want to have something black or blue. And you want to have something... Did I say yellow is a separate color? So you have the green, you have the red, you have the orange, you have the yellow or the beige, and then you have the black or the blue or the purple. And then you have all the different flavors. You want to have all the flavors on your plate. You want to have sweet. You want to have sour. You want to have pungent. And pungent, like I said, doesn't have to be you know, cayenne pepper. It can be uh, basil. It can be dill. It can be rosemary. It can be chives. It can be arugula. Um, you want to have something bitter on your plate. And I think as Americans uh, in the West, as Americans anyway, we don't eat a lot of bitter foods. You'll see them, you'll see people eating bitter foods in Europe, like chicory, escarole, um, endive, uh, artichokes. Um, let's see, yeah, those kinds of foods. Uh, in the East, it's bitter melon. So you have that, you have the sweet, the sour, the pungent, the bitter, and a little bit of salty. So you have a balance of flavors, or maybe you have one little dish that's quite potent, you know, like even a little bit of sauerkraut with that sour kind of fermented probiotic taste to it, you know, will give you a very um, satisfied feeling. Because if you have all one flavor, you'll want something else. Like if you have too much sweet, you'll want some salt, you know, so a little bit of balance different colors, you'll have a pretty balanced meal. Now, what are some of the common health conditions that we can treat by using Chinese medicine? Well, I think we can treat a lot of things uh, from high cholesterol to stress and tension to uh, PMS to insomnia to perimenopausal symptoms that, you know, are aggravating. Um, of course, uh, diabetes can be treated um, let's see what else can be. I, those are some of the common ones. <laughs> We've got uh, Ellen Goldsmith right here on Juice Crew Radio. Ellen, what's the best way to follow the work you're doing? And of course, the book's available on Amazon and bookstores worldwide, Nutritional Healing with Chinese Medicine. What's the best way to follow the incredible work you're doing? Well, thanks. For this book, I have a Facebook page. So it's Facebook, uh, and it's the title of the book, Nutritional Healing with Chinese Medicine. Um, I am... Uh, on Twitter at Goldsmith Ellen, Ellen Goldsmith, and LinkedIn, Ellen Goldsmith, and on my website, pearlnaturalhealth.com. That's our clinic. Um, I'm still working on my website for my book. But uh, there you go. That, those are some ways to reach me. And we'll include some of those links at Juice Guru Radio and in the rewind under the show notes so you'll be able to find all that good stuff. Ellen, thank you so much for being here. We'll take some questions from the audience. If you're watching in the community on Facebook at Juice Guru Nation, 
go ahead and type in below, or if you're here in the chat room, you can go ahead and type in. Or if you're watching the replay, you can type your questions in, and we'll always get back to you. So if there are any questions, let us know. But for now, we're going to close out the radio portion of the show. Again, it's Ellen Goldsmith right here on Jusco Radio. Ellen, thank you for the incredible work you're doing. Thank you for being here on the show. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's such a pleasure. Great job. Um, Steve Prusak, and we'll see you next time. And I see in the chat room, Maria uh, typed in wonderful information. Thank you so much for being here. I, I agree. Thank you. Any other uh, comments in here? And I'm just going to check uh, Facebook real quick here and just make sure I cover all my friends. Great. <laughs> yeah, everyone was just kind of agreeing with what you're saying. And excellent, excellent. Type in your last-minute questions here because a little bit of a delay on Facebook. Just and if there are any other questions for Ellen Goldsmith or if we've covered it all, we recommend you pick up a copy of her book with Robert Rose. Again, it's Nutritional Healing with Chinese Medicine. If there are any uh, last questions that we didn't get to, go ahead and type them in. If not, we're going to go ahead and close out here. Thank you all for being here. If you're part of the Rewind, I've got some announcements for you. And let me see here. I think we have couple of questions i've got one question here from maria uh help for stomach issues any recommendations for that wow well stomach issues there's so many different kinds of stomach issues maria so i'm not quite sure what your stomach issue is if there's stomach aches or it's indigestion or it's reflux or it's you know all those kinds of things but i would say that um probably where you can simply start is when you're if you eat something and you don't feel well, that food is probably not good for you. So, you know, we always say you want to eliminate the obstacle to cure. It's really hard to eat things, um, like I could give you a whole bunch of things that are good for the stomach, but we first have to find out, like be detectives and see what aggravates us. A big aggravator for people is gluten. And, you know, it's not just the gluten. It's the fact that wheat is treated regularly with Roundup. And so it's the glyphosates, it's the pesticides. Um, you know, so if you're eating wheat, um, I would say cut it out or gluten, cut it out. And it's in a lot of foods. Um, you know, you could try going organic, but usually wheat really, because the glyphosates actually eat away at our uh, intestinal tract and our stomach. They're just toxic for us. Um, so another big aggravator for people is dairy. Um, and another big aggravator are spicy foods. So if you're a person who just says, I can't live without my spicy foods, I'd say cut those spicy foods out. Your life will be different. But in terms of what you can do is you want to eat really, really simple, um, simple foods. In my book, I have a lot of what we call congees. These are rice soups. Um, they're gluten-free, of course, because rice is not gluten. Um, but it's rice. It's one, cook, one cup of rice with about 12 to 16 cups of water. And what we put into these congees are different kinds of foods. So a really good food for the stomach is uh, winter squash or carrots. Um, it's almost in carrots, it's the law of signature. You know, the carrot grows into the ground. And carrots known for um, actually treating what's called rebellious stomach chi. That's when you feel nauseous or you have reflux, et cetera. It helps do what the stomach wants to do, which is to move the food downward. So Winter squash is good for that. Uh, carrots are good for that. Um, soups are good for that. Really nice broths, easy things. You know, if you're having stomach issues, 
your stomach probably needs some kind of rest. But Maria, I'd really encourage you to see a naturopathic physician um, or an acupuncturist and really get to the root cause of what your problem is so that you can address it really specifically and, and get some help. And we had a question here from Inge. She wanted to know um, ideas for treating diabetes. So diabetes, of course, there are two kinds. There's diabetes type 1, which is uh, really from, uh, it's uh, usually children get it, sometimes adults get it, and it's, um, it's the result of a virus sometimes. Um, and that's a really different kind of issue than diabetes type 2, which comes from a poor diet, a lot of refined foods, uh, fats, uh, sugars, etc. But they both benefit, again, from eliminating those obstacles to cure which is getting rid of those sugars and refined flours. You know, I hate to say it, but even in the, quote, healthy food kind of section of the store, it can be some junk, you know? The best thing you want to do is just, I hate to say it again, make your own food and learn how to cook. There are a lot of resources out there. And, you know, take a community class, um, you know, get some friends together. And, you know, there's tons of stuff on, on the web that you can do. And I hope to be contributing to that too sometime soon. Um, but um, one food that they have found is enormously beneficial for diabetes. And again, you don't want to treat diabetes only with diet. Um, you want to have supervision for it because it's a very serious disease, uh, it, which is something called bitter melon. And it kind of looks like a knob, knobby kind of cucumber. Uh, um, it's mostly traditionally eaten in Asian countries, but you can grow it here. Um, actually, my friend's, somebody, my friend's mother grows it. And it's, it's a truly bitter food, and it's been done a ton of research. If you go online and look at memortica.com, you will see a tremendous amount of research done on the therapeutic uh, use of bitter melon in the treatment of diabetes. So I hope those are some tips for you. Awesome. And thank you for coming in all around. Thank you again. And thank you for being here, Ellen. Thank you for the great work. And thank you for being on the show. We'll send you a link when we go live on iHeartRadio. Thank you for being here. Thank you. Just a pleasure. Thanks for the work much, you do. Much appreciated. Okay. Thank you for listening to Juice Guru Radio. Find out more about us at juiceguru.com. Until next time, get your juice on.